0: My brother talk he me in the back going, how? Oh! Yeah, lay him down. That's what we do. My oh, goodness. Well, good morning. Um, if, there, if you are able to squeeze in, because we need uh, more seats, if there are seats in the middle, if you don't mind getting a little closer to your brothers or sister and squeeze in and we can have more seats on the sides, that'd be great. Uh, but it's good to be here today. To be able to worship with the Bronx and Harlem? Hey, Amen. Uh, uh, I've come a long way from Nebraska cow-tipping to preaching to Harlem and the Bronx. Wait till people hear about this back home. We spend our time cow-tipping. Y'all know what that is? Cows sleep standing up. They lock their knees. And so I, as they're out there sleeping, you run and you put your shoulder right into the hip. Boom! And they just fall over. Ground beef. So you got to be careful because there's always one bull out there. And when he see you messing around with the cows, he come after you. So uh, that's how I became fast. But it's good to be here today. It's good to worship with everybody. Uh, Again, if there's any empty seats in the middle, please squeeze in. Uh, It's good to have a full house, but this is what we need to get used to. Amen? I want us to turn over to Luke chapter 18. In this message, we're going to examine an encounter Jesus had with a blind man. And in this encounter, the blind man left encouraged, better off. When you interact with Jesus, you leave as a better person. You know, I did a funeral way back before we came to uh, New York, and uh, I started looking in the Bible about Jesus during funerals, and I just couldn't find any because nobody died around Jesus. And if they did, they didn't stay dead long. So I'm like, okay, no matter who you are, when you encounter Jesus, your life changes. So I want us to focus here in Luke chapter 18 this morning. We're going to start in verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked, what's happening? They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted, all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Let's go to God in prayer as we start for today. Almighty God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for allowing us to wake up to another day, to be here, to worship together with you. I know there may be many hardships and troubles in the world, but yet when we come together as a body, as a family, Father, it's like those hardships just disappear. They go away. We lay our burdens down. We give them to you, and it's a whole other life that we can live. Father, I do pray that today, you will remove any hindrances, anything that may be distracting us, and let us focus in on what you want us to learn today from this message. Let us walk away different people than the way we walked in. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. I'm calling this message titled, Can You See Me Now? You know the overrising guy? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? This is Can You See Me Now? Now we know from Mark chapter 10, this blind man's name is Bartimaeus. And this means son of Timaeus. We can learn a great deal about our relationship with God as we look at Bartimaeus here today. And so I have a few points for us here today. Uh, If the crowd participation is good, we'll have about three or four. But if it's taking you a while to catch on, I just keep adding points. So I just want you to know that's how we're going to work this is according to crowd participation, how long the sermon goes. one of the brothers came up and gave me a bottle of water earlier. As I said, I always drink a lot of water before my sermon. That way the sermon has a time limit on it because I'm going to have to use a bathroom in about 20 minutes. So he brought me here. I want you hydrated, brother. I appreciate that. All right. point number one. Faith is hearing and believing even when you can't see it. Faith is hearing and believing even when you can't see it. Now, Bartimaeus was not only blind, but he was a beggar. Now, most people that are blind can leave a productive life. But back in Jesus' day, they didn't have the Disabilities Act. They didn't have all the things that people today may have if they have a blindness with them. You know, we see a lot of people begging in the world. They may just be standing outside of a store waiting for you. You know, there may be people standing on the corner with a sign. You know, before we came up here, there was a guy, probably the most honest beggar i ever seen. He had a sign that says, why lie? I need some wine. And he had a sign up there. And I looked and I thought, well, at least you're honest. He said, you got any money? I said, I'm moving to New York. I need every penny I got. Nope. But in Jesus' time, beggars, they were even under dogs because they used dogs for a lot of services. But they didn't treat beggars with any kind of respect whatsoever. You know, my daughter was born, she was deaf, uh, my youngest daughter. And uh, we didn't recognize until she was about two years old that she was even deaf. And you got to say, well, well, why is that? Because she was able to feel the vibrations. When you walk into the room, she would turn and look because she could feel the vibrations. When we talk, we use a lot of hand motions. You don't think about it, but with little kids, you do. You say, come here, or you smile, and then she smiled. I mean, it was that kind of interaction. You couldn't tell. But when a person has one kind of handicap, their other senses increase in an incredible way. She went from being deaf, and now she has cochlear implants she can hear, thank God. But they were telling her, you won't be able to walk normally because without being able to hear, your balance is off. But now she was dancing for the Kansas City Ballet. I'm just like, the doctors don't know God. So here we have Bartimaeus. He's sitting there by the roadside. And he hears all this commotion going on. Now here it is. You got the cows out there. (laughs) You got sheep out there. (laughs) Donkeys. (laughs) Donkeys. You got people talking, blah, 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 blah. You got all this noise, chicken, chicken whatever chickens do. You got all this noise going on. But there was something different about the noise this day. He couldn't see it, but he heard something a little different. So he said, what's going on? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth is coming. He said, whoa, I may not be able to see, but I heard about Jesus. I heard of some of the miracles he did. I heard how he raised people from the dead. I heard how he helped other blind people get their sight. He said, this is my chance for my life to change because Jesus is coming this way. So he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. See, you may not be able to to see Jesus, but you've heard of the miracles Jesus has done. You have seen actual miracles in people's lives, here around you that Jesus has done. The question is, has that increased your faith? It increased his faith so much. He didn't even see the things we've seen. Here's a blind man with so much faith in Jesus that he screamed out because he knew what Jesus could do and how Jesus could change his life. So it says in verse 38, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the term son of David was one reserved for the Messiah, the king. So he wasn't just asking for help. He's proclaiming, Jesus, you are the king of kings. You are the Messiah. Have mercy on me. I need you in my life. So it wasn't just a plea for help. He was making a confession of who Jesus really was. Faith is the first step in order for you to receive mercy from God. We've got to have faith if we want to receive mercy from God. That faith can change your life's situation. No matter how you came in church today, if you walk out of here more faithful, your life is going to change. Your life is going to be different. Faith isn't just believing that God exists. It's acting on that belief. See, like Bartimaeus, none of us saw Jesus physically with our eyes, but again, we've heard of him. We've heard of things he's done. And because of that, we can trust him with our lives. See, I don't just believe Jesus was born in Bethlehem and died 33 years later. No, I believe he can change my life also. See, we shouldn't just believe that the resurrection, Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah, that's true, but you need to believe that he's living in you now. It's not just that he rose from the dead, but he's alive inside of you. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, he is living in you. Don't you understand what that means? That right there in itself is so encouraging for you. There's so much excitement in that. But you know what? Even though Bart was blind, we are blind until we come to Jesus. He was physically blind, but we can be blind too until we come to see Jesus. But there's somebody out there who wants you to stay blind to Jesus. That's called the devil. Keep your finger in Luke, but let's turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to come back to Luke, but look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Verse 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. See, Jesus is saying, I want you to go to church today, worship Harlem and Bronx together, and I want you to understand how much Jesus loves you. That's what God is saying to you. So you can understand the time right now. That means class is in, right? That's not a fire alarm, is it? See, it's time to listen to what Jesus is saying. The bell's ringing off on your heads right now. But Jesus is saying, I love you, and I want you to rest in me. But Satan is right there. That's the God of this age, Satan. He's not saying that. What he's saying is, what's for lunch after church? Can I get a nap in there sometime today? See, Satan is throwing everything else but the love of God at you. He's trying to throw you off completely. You know, coming from Missouri... That's what the model of the state is. It's called the show-me state. That's what's on the license plate, the show-me state. We won't believe anything until you show me. That's not living by faith. And the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we live by faith, not by sight. If it takes seeing something in order for you to believe it, that's not faith. And see, Bartimaeus, he couldn't see anything, but yet he had the faith because of what he heard about Jesus that his life could be changed. I want to encourage you today that you understand that faith is not about how much you do. Faith is about believing so much that your life changed because of that belief. The second thing I want to talk about. Did you get the first point? The second thing is this. You must resist people who hinder your spiritual progress. You must resist people who hinder your spiritual progress. When Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, have mercy on me. The people didn't say, way to go, Bart. No, they said, why don't you shut up? You're getting on my nerves. Be quiet. They rebuked him for calling out to Jesus. You know what? When you find yourself, calling out to Jesus, making commitments, making a a difference, not everybody's going to be happy around you. They're going to try to keep you down sometimes. They'll try to insult you. It's amazing to me how many people cuss in New York, but I'm going to tell you what happened. I'm out and about. I'm talking to people, hey, we just moved here. They're like, what in the blank make you want to move here? Because I'm a minister. Oh, praise God. I'm like, really? Seriously? (laughs) It's amazing how that changes things. But that's what our culture wants us to do. Wants us to be just like everybody else. Because that makes them feel good. But when you stand out as a Christian, it makes them feel guilty. And they don't like that. So people will try to hinder you. But when they try to hinder Bartimaeus, we need to have the same response he did. He resisted them. Don't let people intimidate you into being quiet at work, school, even in your family. Don't let people intimidate you to, to hushing up. When they told Bart to be quiet, he wouldn't be silenced. Verse 39, back in Luke 18, verse 39 says, he shouted all the more. And those are interesting words in the original Greek. Because in verse 38, first it says, he called out in a loud voice. And that is boy. Boy, it means called out in a loud voice. But then after they told him to be quiet, in verse 39, it says, he cranked it up a little bit on him here. And that word is translated croaz, shouted all the more. The definition of that is it's a, it's a loud cry like an animal roar. It was as if like you could hear lions out there and they roaring, and you could hear it miles away. Picture this all those chickens and donkeys and everything out there and people, but yet when he screamed out the second time, Jesus, Son of God, it got quiet. And Jesus heard his cry. He screamed so loud, he shut up all those bystanders. He said, I am not going to be intimidated into missing my Jesus because of somebody else. So Jesus, he said, "Have mercy on me," because he shouted so loudly. You know, in the 1800s, uh, Methodists were often called shouting Methodists because they're a lot more emotional in their worship than the Baptists. Well, then the Baptists got a little fired up, and they became the shouting Baptists. And there's a small church even in Virginia, which that's the name of her church, the Shouting Baptists. But the problem today is some of us, as we get older, we get so sophisticated. We aren't as fired up as we used to be. We're too sophisticated. we got too, mature, too much maturity to, to, to talk like that. So the only shouting they do is in traffic when somebody cut them off. You've got to ask yourself, do you really express yourself in the congregation on Sundays as if you're going to heaven? Some people do. I'm not saying everybody does it. But you got to realize, we're talking about your eternal salvation. We're making points about how much God loves you, how God desires you to grow, how much God wants you to have faith. He wants to bless you. And do we sit there and be like, okay, that's great. I mean, seriously, if it was a Bruno Mars concert, you'd be clapping more than that. Bruno, Bruno, yes, Bruno. But we're talking about your eternal life. If that can't get you excited, something's wrong with you. Because we said Jesus is Lord. Well, then we need to make Jesus Lord. You know, there's a song that we sing, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that would be. When we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout the victory. Let me tell you something. If you're not shouting down here, you're not going to shout up there. Bartimaeus did not let the crowd intimidate him. I can look out and tell there's some of y'all that he just, you just, you just, you just, you just wants to come on out of here. You. You, you just want to go ahead and do it. But it's a little bit like, I don't know what they're going to say about me later. You know, I'm going to get that nickname if I do that. But you know what? That's what the campus and the teens. that's what they're looking for. I want to see an excited adult that I can grow into. I don't want to look over there and see some boring, stale old person. How we act converts the next generation. So if we're sitting there all sophisticated, oh, I can be sophisticated and I can preach in words that were very, very big and give a plethora of information for you to understand. That's what we need or we can talk about things the way the lord has helped us do stuff the way the lord helped all kind of moses cross the red sea how he helped get again get off the island oh we can talk about it all cannot let anybody intimidate us because we've already won the victory. You already have the crown on your head. So we need to walk around like champions for the Lord and not like we've been defeated in Christ. My third point is this. I don't went from ten to five now. We're down to five points. We're doing good, y'all. My third point is this. Jesus is never too busy to pause and help you. Jesus is never too busy to pause and help you. Again, in Luke 18, verse 40, Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near him, he asked, what do you want me to do for you? Now, by the way, that instruction has not changed. Jesus is still asking us to bring people to him today. That wasn't just for the Bibles back then, for us today. We need to ask people. We need to bring people to the Lord. Not just the church, but to study the Bible with them to help them come to know Jesus. At this point, Jesus was headed for Jerusalem to die for the sins of the world. And you gotta understand, he knew, he already knew what was gonna happen. He knew I'm going there, I'm gonna be persecuted, I'm gonna be flogged, I'm gonna be spit upon, I'm gonna be crucified. But he was on a mission to go there and to die for his father. And on this mission, here's this one guy that's yelling out, help me. And even though he had so much to do, he paused. And he helped the man. There were hundreds of voices in the crowd, thousands of voices in the crowd. But there was one calling out to him that day that made him pause. You know, the thing I find in New York is that there are a lot of people that are just busy. They got places to go, things to do, busy, busy, busy. But you know what? We may be in that busy category, but we've got to pause sometimes. And we've got to help people. We've got to realize it's still going to be there, but we've got to pause and help people. You know, on another occasion in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house because his daughter was sick and dying. And he was walking through a crowd. And there was so many people, they were just pushing up against him and jostling him back and forth and pressing up against him. But then in the midst of all of that, there was one woman that touched him. And because she had been bleeding for 12 years and no doctors, nothing could cure, she believed with her faith that if she just touched Jesus, that would be enough to cure her. So she touched him. And he said, who touched me? And here's the disciples. Oh, Jesus. All these people here, how we know who touched you? There's Thomas sitting over there. I doubt if anybody did, Jesus. But he said, I know power has left me. Somebody touched me. So even though he had all those people around him, that one person, touch of faith, he recognized it. So you may think in a larger scheme of things that you may not be that important. You're just one of billions of people on the earth. Our planet is just a small rock in this whole universe. You know, the sun is burning 93 million miles away, provides a gravitational pull that keeps the planet in orbit. But that same sun can warm your face on a cold day. Because that's how God designed it. In the midst of taking care of everything else, he still can look down. You get get, get a view from space. You see the earth. And then you look down to the clouds. You see the continents. Then you look down, you see North America. Then you look and see where we are in New York. Then you keep looking on down, and he's seeing you right now, sitting where you're sitting. And he said, I will pause, in spite of all I got going on, to help you. God is bigger than any challenge we face today, tomorrow, or in the future. On the way to the cross, he paused to help Bartimaeus. And whatever else he was doing in the universe that day, he put it on pause. Look in Psalms 46. We're going to come back to Luke, but look in Psalms 46, verse 1. Psalms 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. He's not an occasional help. He's not a -a once-in-a-while help. You know how you have those family members who like your third cousin and your mother's sister's brother's second side? He's not that far down. He said, I'm an ever-present help in trouble. See, there's no reason why we should not be excited Happy and faithful. Because God said I will always be there for you. Uh, ever present help in trouble. Amen. Fourth point is this. You must admit your need in order to be changed. You must admit your need in order to be changed. Back in verse 41. Luke 18 verse 41. When Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do for you? You know, when I first read that, I thought, okay, that's just a weird question. Here's a blind man, and he's saying, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus knew he was blind. But then I started thinking, wait, he asked people that question a lot. You know, in John 5, the man at, at the pool of Bethsaida, he's like, do you want to get well? He was paralyzed, so he asked him, well, what do you want me to do for you? Do you want to get well? He asked these questions. You know why? Because I believe Bartimaeus, he had a pretty simple life. He got accustomed to just sitting there begging, and people just give him handouts. You know, sometimes we can get in a a position where we just, we don't want to take people for granted, but we just get accustomed to people giving and giving and giving, and it just feels good. That just becomes the way of life. You know, they say beggars can't be choosy, but Jesus gave them a choice. He asked him because he wanted Bartimaeus to admit his point of need and to confess that he believed that Jesus could change him. He asked him, what do you want me to do for you? So Bartimaeus could admit, hey, I need help. I, I want to see. And I know you can help me to see. I mean, after all, when Jesus said, what do you want to do for me? What do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus could have said, you know, uh, could you give me the number of a good eye doctor? He could have said something very generic like, uh, bless me, Lord. Or he could have, again, went religious on him And in the warmth of this day, could you beseech upon me blessings? Which, you know what, that's how we are sometimes. We don't always want to get specific. But you're never going to change until you get specific with the Lord. You got to say, God, help me with my anger. I've been angry with my wife and my kids. I've been yelling at them. I've not been a godly man. You need to say, God, help me with my laziness. I have been extremely lazy. God, help me with my bitterness. I still haven't gotten over what happened 15 years ago. Help me with my bitterness. God, help me to have a discipling partner. Because you know I haven't had one in years. And there's no way I can make it to heaven without somebody by my side, iron sharpening iron, to help me get there. Help me to get a disciple partner in my life. See, until you get specific, nothing's gonna change. The whole generic thing, oh, just just pray for me, brother. For what? Just pray for me. For what? Just pray for me. For what? People say that, don't let them walk away with, just pray for me. Get specific. For what? Well, I, I don't know, just pray in general. Hold on, let me pull your wife over here. We'll see what we need to pray for you about. See, some Christians are reluctant to ask because you're scared to pray for a miracle. That's what God specializes in, miracles. Miracles. He wants you to ask and pray for something that is outrageous because that's what he does. It is so important for us to realize that that is something we must admit where we are if we're ever going to change. And then fifthly and finally, oh, I like this point. This is a good one here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you see the face of Jesus, you'll follow him anywhere. When you see the face of Jesus, You will follow him anywhere. Without touching Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus received his sight. Jesus said, I see your faith, Bartimaeus, and that's enough. You know, he had several encounters with people that were blind, and Jesus healed them. Let me take you back here. For one man, he touched them, and his blindness went away. Another man, he touched him, and things got blurry, so he touched him again a second time, and his blindness went away. A third time, there was a man, he spit in the ground, made some mud, put it on his eyes, and said, go wash to the pool of Siloam. I cry about it, too. He said, do it. And then Bartimaeus, he didn't have to say anything. He, his word was enough. He didn't have to touch him. He just said, hey, your blindness is gone. You're good. Because of your faith. Now, This shows us something here. He did four different methods of helping a person achieve the same goal. God does not work the same way in everybody. He doesn't work like that. The person sitting next to you was changed in a totally different way than you may be changed. And this is what we got to embrace. There's not one set way for God to work and to change somebody. If we had off, see that's how denominations start. Because they say, this is the only way you can do it. You know what? If we had all four of those guys, it'd be four different churches by next Sunday. It'd be the one-touch church touched him once. The two-touch church touched him twice. The word-of-faith church he just told Bartimaeus. Then the spit-in-your-eye church over here. Now, if I knew spitting in my face would get me to heaven, boy, you better bring it up from here. I be looking like one of them Ghostbusters, everything be dripping all off me. But some of us are too sophisticated to be spit on. That's just gross. But when Bartimaeus opened his eyes, the first thing he saw was Jesus. The last sentence in, verse, in chapter 18, verse 43, it says, Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. You know what? we got to remember, when Jesus left here, he was going on his way to Jerusalem and the cross. I wouldn't be surprised if Bartimaeus was one of those disciples at Pentecost, sitting up in that room when everything happened he said, hey, he followed Jesus, and Jesus was going to die, and he followed him because he had healed him, you know he was still with Jesus to the end. And here's a lesson for us. When you see the face of Jesus, you'll follow him too. See, that's what this is about. If you're here visiting with us, I didn't even tell you my name because my name isn't important. You can go home and talk to somebody. I went to church today. Whoa, whoa, who was the preacher? I don't know, but he talked about Jesus. That's all this church is about, Jesus. It's not about people or what we can do. It's about Jesus. When you cry out to Jesus, he can and will change you. Look in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God who said... Let light shine out of darkness has made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. You don't need physical eyesight to see Jesus. In fact, people who are physically blind can often see more spiritual truths than those that can see. Let me share a story with you here. A true thing named Fanny Crosby. You've probably heard of her. She was blind, yet she was one of the most prolific hymn writers in American history. She wrote over 8,500 poems and hymns. Imagine a stack of 15 hymn books piled on top of each other. It would take that many to contain all the songs Fanny Crosby wrote. Some of her more familiar hymns include To God Be the Glory, Blessed Assurance, and Jesus Keep Me Near the Cross. Fanny wasn't born blind. When she was six weeks old, she developed a cold. A man posing as a doctor put on poultice soaked with powerful medicine over her eyes. This treatment damaged her eyes and she became blind. But Fanny refused to be bitter or angry about her blindness. At the age of eight, she wrote a poem reflecting her positive attitude. Oh, what a happy soul am I. Although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world, content I will be. Fanny Crosby could see things most of us can't. She glimpsed the glory of the greatness of God, and she looked forward to the time when she would see Jesus. Some of her best lyrics include, In the cross, in the cross, be my glory forever, till my raptured, ransomed soul shall find rest beyond the river. Some music editors changed a few of Fanny's original words so the songs don't offend people who don't believe in the rapture. But Fanny was looking forward to the time when Jesus will return and rapture the church and will be transported out of here. Another familiar lyric written by Fanny is from the, to God be the glory. Great things he has taught us, great things he has done. And great are rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But pure and higher and greater will be our wonder and transport, victory when Jesus we see. Fanny had wonderful insight because of her blindness. An interviewer once commented to her, I think it is a great pity that God did not give you sight When he showed you so many other great gifts, Fanny replied, Do you know that if at birth I had been able to make one petition, it would have been that I should be born blind? Why? asked the surprised interviewer. Because when I get to heaven, the first face I want to see is that of my Savior, Jesus Christ. (laughs) The title of this message is Can You See Me Now? Even before he was healed, Bartimaeus saw at least two things. One, he saw his need. Two, he saw his opportunity in front of him. you got to remember, the bystanders told him Jesus was passing by. And this is a powerful example of great opportunities that pass right in front of us. Bartimaeus was faced with a, a split-second decision. Okay, Jesus is coming by. Do I take advantage of this opportunity right now? or you know what? There's so many people in this crowd. Maybe I'll wait till next time Jesus come through Jericho. Maybe I'll wait a little bit more. He's got to come back at some point. See, if you're visiting with us today, don't waste this opportunity. Don't let Jesus walk by you today. If you are a disciple of Jesus, don't waste this opportunity to talk to that person you need to talk to to get yourself resolved. To get yourself right with God. Because he had a split second decision. And here's the thing. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to die. Bartimaeus didn't know that Jesus was never going to come back through Jericho. He had one opportunity and he took advantage of that opportunity. And because he did, he was able to see and follow Jesus. If he had just waited for a later time, it was not going to be one. And too often we wait for a later time. I'll deal with this later. I'll change this later. I'll become a Christian after the summer. No, I'll wait till close to Christmas. Jesus is born then. I'll wait. I'll do all this and that. How do you know you're going to have a later time? You don't know you're going to have tomorrow. You need to decide right now, I need to do whatever it takes to make sure I don't walk out of this building not changed. That I walk out of here resolved. I walk out of here more faithful than I came in. Because of this blind man who was so low on a totem pole, they thought dogs was better than him. And all he had done was heard about Jesus. How much more faith should I have because I've seen miracles done. I've heard about Jesus. And I get to experience him every day of my life because he is an ever-present help in trouble. I love you. And to God be the glory. Amen.